Uh, today we're doing in the Parshas Bolok, we're doing uh, Shlishi. It's also, of course, Gimel Tammuz today. Uh, still got a few minutes left uh, in order to um, uh, take advantage of this special day and the special powers that we have uh, today. And let me just tell you, yesterday I visited the oil, I went last night, and I sort of thought I figured out uh, that I should not have to wait by going into the oil because usually it's a hot sunny day and you can wait sometimes for four hours in the sun until you get a chance to go into the Rebbe for, for two minutes to the oil. So I figured if I get there by two, three o'clock in the morning I'll be safe. But oh was I wrong. So uh, when I got there about, uh, must have been like 1.30 or something like that, uh, the line stretched and stretched and stretched probably waited over an hour, an hour and a half or something like that in the line till I got to go in. But still, uh, it was a little easier because the sun wasn't baking so hard. It was a, a little bit of a, a small little wind, not much of it. I can only imagine the people that are staying today and waiting in line over there for the, uh, for the oil, what it must feel like. But it was very, very well worth it besides being able to be by the Rebbe. But I saw something which really amazed me and I had a chance to talk to a few people that I... Uh, was standing next to here, there, and I realized, and some people that I knew, I realized that the people that come to the Rebbe are not only that if they're coming along, let's say with a shlich or another chabadnik, there are just ordinary folks out there. I've met some people that live in the Cape, they don't have a shul, they don't go anywhere. But they just came down for Gimel Tammuz. I met another people that live in the city, they just, they don't belong, but the Rebbe's uh, yard said they come to the oil. So it's unbelievable how just people come to the Rebbe's oil and they want to connect because we see this is the opposite sign of what we learn in the opposite. You know, we learn about Bilom uh, and the Pasuk says that even though Hashem says to Bilom, yeah, you can go, uh, basically Hashem says you can go, but he knew that Hashem wasn't happy with it. Similar, I want to bring an example, of, uh, like we learned by Shlach. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, if you want, you send, you know, and I'm going to give them a place to make a mistake. So Hashem gives the uh, opportunity if you want to make a mistake. But uh, Bilam, being a, such a Jew hater, uh, he did things which he normally wouldn't do. Like he went and saddled his donkey by himself. Normally he would have the servants, the attendants do it. But he was so enthusiastic, excited about going that he went and he did it himself. And uh, Hashem says to him, listen, you're not the first one who does it himself. Somebody has already done it before you for the positive. And that has been uh, Avram Avinu. It says, He has done it already before, before. Now, Hashem wants to give Bilam one more chance. He wants to give him another chance. So Hashem sends a Malach, a Malach of Rachamim. And the Malach does all these things to try to make the road very difficult. It also, it's interesting how similar it is to by Avram. When Avram was going to the Akedah, and the Vayachvish over there also, the Malach came, we learned the Medrash, not so much in the Pashtim Shad. He was built the water, he was trying to prevent him from doing what the Abishta wants him to do. In this case, they was provide, trying to prevent uh, Bilam to do what against what the Abishta wants him to do. But the Abishta allowed him, as we said before, the Abishta said, if that's what you want to do, I'm going to let you do. So here this Malach, Rashi said, was a Malach of Rachamim, he was a Malach of mercy. He was trying to give Bilam one more chance. See that it's difficult. Maybe you'll change your mind and then maybe you'll say, no, okay, I won't do it. No, but he insists that he's going to continue. So 
if he can, then we have the whole story with the donkey that the first the donkey starts to go off the direction and then Bilam hits her then she squeezes his foot because the angel, the, the, an animal can see the angel Bilam could not see the angel and the angel was standing with a sword over there and he was just trying to protect its master by not uh, going right into the angel and um, I'm just wondering out loud now as I'm talking about it we say that the and the Apparently that people can't see angels, but they can't see the swords that the angel carries as well. I mean, the sword is also probably invisible, only visible to the animal, because, or else you would just see like a hanging sword over there without anybody holding it. Now apparently you can't see the sword either, the, the, the cherub you can't see. And again, uh, Bilam finally, and then the, finally the Malach places himself in a way where you can't uh, go at all, so the donkey finally kneels and he hits her again. Finally, the donkey opens up its mouth and says to Bill, why would you hit me three times for? Now, he, tell, he, he says, you've been riding me, I've ever done this to you before. And, you know, according to the Gemara, the Gemara tells us not such nice things about Bilam. He had a relationship, an intimate relationship with his donkey. And that's why he used a donkey versus a horse, so that he can have, that's what the uh, Talmud describes, the Lashem Hamahasi and Iskanti, Shechenes. And, but, Nevertheless, uh, the uh, Bilam got very got caught by his tongue because he said he was so angry at the donkey in the beginning before he saw what's going on. He said, "If I only had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right here." So he was very embarrassed. Here he's going to kill the whole people with his mouth, and for his donkey he needs a sword. And actually, that's why Hashem later did away with the donkey because it was uh, shaming a person. So still. Uh, Hashem didn't want that. But at the end of the day, uh, he sees the Malach. And Hashem shows him the Malach. So he sees the Malach, Bilam. He sees the Malach. And he says, okay, if you don't want me to go, I'm not going to go. He says, but he also didn't say it inside. Rashi explains, he said it. Look, Hashem does these things all the time. Again, there is an equation all to Avram going to there. Because over there too, he says, Hashem says to Avram, go take your son and bring him onto the onto the Mount Maria for a sacrifice, and then the Malach comes and says, no, don't do anything. Hashem says one thing, and then the Malach comes and interferes with what Hashem says. He, they, here, Hashem says to me that I can go, and now you're telling me I can't go. Okay, you don't want me to go? I'm not going to go. So this is the way of Hashem. So finally, Hashem says to him, so the Malach says to him that, okay, you can go, but anyways, Going there alone isn't going to get you what you want because you're not going to be able to say what you would like to say. But you'll have to say what Hashem wants you to say. And as we see, that later on He gave him uh, the greatest blessings, but He had to reveal that He was not really in charge and out of control, and it was Hashem in charge and control. So you see how evil is insistent on doing evil. Even when they're stopped, even when they're... and. The way to, I said, combat it is, that's mentioned is that the Rebbe's message was to be insistent on doing good. Not just to do good when it's easy, not just to do good when it's comfortable, but to overcome all of our obstacles. And one of the things of doing good is with ourselves, because our, some of our challenges come from within ourselves. You know, we're, we're not in the mood, we get, we get distraught, we get... 
discouraged a lot of times. You know, we, we, we just, you know, we're, we're people with different kinds of emotions. We have something and something doesn't go. You know, we have the Yitzhahara like by, by over here he's trying to bring back the good, but sometimes like by Avram, it's coming in and it's trying to stop us. But we have to remember that if we want to do what's right, we can overcome. We see that, you know, the, the, some of these terrorists and these terrible people, they don't stop for nothing. They get punished for it. They get, they get beaten for it. And still they insist on being evil. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes you would think that they should, you know, learn the lessons, you know, from the past and change their ways. And then, but they don't change their ways. We see from Bilam that evil doesn't change his ways. It just keeps on going more. As much as you try to stop them, you try to stop them, they'll continue to do. And, you know, so Bimela, there is no other choice but to deal with evil as you have to deal. But we have to, those who are not directly involved, what could we do? So, you know, something like that happened. So what are we supposed to do? Uh, we can't uh, find the perpetrators over there. We can't punish them. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to fight with bringing more light into the world. That's what we can do. A little bit of light push away a lot of darkness. We have to increase our study of Torah. We have to increase observance of mitzvahs and do them with more diligence. That's what we can do. I mean, that's up to That's what Hashem wants us to do. And they wish to help that it was really heart-wrenching just to watch some of the, uh, the blogs about you know, how the funeral took place, the mothers and the fathers eulogizing uh, these uh, three, three children. It's like a parent should never have to uh, bury their child, especially under such kind of circumstances. This is like the most uh, devastating circumstances. And, and of course, you know, we all uh, extend our condolences. It's a national tragedy, but those, those families, they're going to leave with this every day of their lives, you know, they're not going to move on. By them it's something which is stuck. So we have to sort of strengthen ourselves and ask Hashem that shouldn't happen again. The Rebbe spoke about Gimel Tammuz. The Rebbe said the 30th of Tammuz, in the beginning, it was hidden. The Geula was hidden. We didn't really realize. As the previous Rebbe was released from prison on the 30th of Tammuz, eventually he was freed also from exile. But the beginning, the 30th of Tammuz, it was sort of a hidden kind of a geula. The geula was hidden over there. Things that happened in Gimel Tammuz is beyond us. You know, I mean, we lost Begashmis. We lost the Rebbe Begashmis in, in the physical sense. We don't have the Rebbe. Now we have Begashmis. We have this terrible thing like that. But somehow, we, the Rebbe's words, we will see that from it, uh, from somehow from this hidden uh, tzores, something powerful, something good will come out that we'll be able to see the Geula of Yud Beis, Yud Gimel Tamus, and we'll be able to celebrate the Chag Geula from the previous Rebbe, Chag Geula of Klal Yisrael, from Heir of Yameinu, Amen. David, please.